I'm John Niehaus, Director of Program Development for the National Association of Flight Instructors. I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of the NAFI More Right Rudder Podcast, the podcast for flight instructors on the go. And today is a special day. Today is episode 60. And uh, to celebrate, I decided to actually have a couple of my friends come on and uh, just talk about things. Um, they're both former flight instructors, active to an extent. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later. Um, but uh, we were having a conversation a few days ago, and it was kind of about the idea that we've all kind of gotten to a point where we have utilized flight instruction to leverage our own personal success. And so I thought it'd be kind of cool to have them on and, and talk about it. We've known each other for, for a long time, longer than I'd care to admit at this point, guys. Um, but uh, without further ado, um, Andrew Casella, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself first? Yeah. Um, met John in college and uh, after college started flight instructing and worked my way through the, uh, Charter World 135 operation currently flying for a Part 91 flight department. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, Andrew. And uh, <clears throat> Graham Bostrom is uh, my other guest. Graham, why don't you introduce yourself as well? Well, hi, John. Thank you. Uh, again, like John said, my name is Graham Bostrom. I'm a, I met John in, also in college, um, and then we kind of parted ways. I followed a very traditional path to a certain extent through the civilian world as a flight instructor before joining the 121 world in uh, the regional airlines. I uh, worked my way up through the air before joining Delta Airlines in 2016, um, where I currently fly as a A350 first officer, well as um, in the development world for Delta on the Propel Pilot Pathway Program. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, they say every episode could be somebody's first episode. So for those that don't know me, um, of course, uh, I am a flight instructor by trade, uh, but at the same time, I also have gone through uh, both 121 and 135 uh, routes, and I have officially settled into a Part 91 uh, corporate flight department uh, where I fly a Falcon 2000 LXS. And uh, again, guys, it's kind of cool. I, I uh, walked into my new job. I say new, uh, but my flying job about a year ago um, today. And I kind of realized that the list of friends on my phone were contacts that I would have killed for uh, 15 years ago when we were in school. And 15 years feels very scary. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that we've all gotten to this point that I think we're in what we would consider career positions. And, uh, seeing as though we all started out as instructors, I think it's, it's a credit to the profession that we've managed to, uh, to use it to get here. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, there's a lot of things that you learn and I still utilize in my career uh, for my time in flight instructing. It's a really phenomenal foundation uh, to becoming a very solid professional aviator going forward. Well, Graham, talk to us a little bit about what uh, kind of flight instruction you did. Where where did you do it and kind of what type of training were you providing? So I followed a somewhat different path than most collegiate flight instructors who usually right after graduation or before graduation end up right back instructing where they went to school. Um, don't get me wrong, that serves a very vital role. They're, it's solid flight instruction. You're going to get hours. You're, you have guaranteed student load. Um, but through some personal decisions, I ended up actually going back closer to where I grew up and instructing uh, in the Frederick, Maryland area uh, for flight school there. Um, the advantage of doing that was it was a 141 and a 61 school, so I got to do a little bit of both. But I also got to do stuff outside the 141 curriculum, you know, everything from track hours. Um, also, what I learned was my passion was doing some of that more um, advanced TAA training, you know, glass cockpit uh, checkouts, um, CRM human factors, you know, more line oriented training that we do in the airlines to really talk through aeronautical decision making and, and helping general aviation pilots make good decisions. Uh, using and using all the technological tools that are available to them. Graham, 
how do you feel that that then leveraged you into getting into the airlines? Um, well, I will be honest. I, well, you know, I did enjoy my time uh, flight instructing and I got to do a number of cool things. I, what led me to flight instruction was not a lack of passion for it. It was just a lack of stability. Um, so I went to the airlines for that stability in my career as I, as I kind of advanced, uh, advanced along, uh, not just financially, but also from a scheduling perspective. When I was a flight instructor, I was basically available every day of the week to go fly. And I would only take days off when uh, the weather was bad, um, which isn't really great for making long-term plans or, or starting a family. Andrew, what about you? What uh, what did your time as a flight instructor look like? And for those that don't know, um, you know, Andrew, his dad was a pilot as well. So you kind of grew up in this environment, right? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate to, uh, to kind of see what aviation was like before getting into it uh, and kind of set my career path based on that because yeah, I pursued a corporate career my whole life you know, going through college and everything, you know, was great, but it was very airline oriented. And um, I knew that I was looking for something different based off of uh, seeing my father's career and got lucky enough to kind of land where I am currently. But uh, flight instruction was um, at first a means to an end. It was uh, when I got my commercial rating, I tried getting jobs, towing banners, skydive operations, those kind of things. And all of them kind of gave me the same song and dance about, you know, oh, you don't have enough time in R182 to meet insurance requirements, you know? So when I got my CFI, the uh, flight school that I did my CFI at uh, outside of college uh, offered me a job. And and that's where I started with that and uh, found out that I really enjoyed doing it. And for similar reasons as Graham, it just uh, was not a, uh, a uh, pathway in the uh, industry really to sustain a lifestyle on, which was unfortunate because I I really did have a good time doing it. Met a lot of good people, learned things about myself uh, and and similar to Graham as well. I didn't go uh, right back to uh, the school that I did most of my training at. I went to a mom and pop school that also had a 141 certificate as well, like Graham's experience you know so i kind of got both of them but still had the the bfrs and things uh, like that one of my first jobs or uh flights that i did as a uh, flight instructor was to do a bfr for a former dpe who uh, i still to this day can remember some of the kind of words of wisdoms that he gave so kind of neat to be on both ends of that um having progressed uh, to where i am yeah, you know, it's funny. I uh, I started off at a Part 61 school, um, which is actually how I got into NAFI in the first place, because the owner of the school uh, was the then executive director of NAFI. Um, so the doors that, that flight instruction opened to me, I mean, that started so early on in my career. And then, of course, I did end up coming back to um, our alma mater at Western and, and did a bunch of training there. So you know, I was able to also get a little bit of a blend of of both the Part 61 and the 141 life. And uh, apparently I just collect regulations because I've done that in my professional career as well. Uh, but, um, you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about the idea that, um, you know, oh, flight instructors are are transient and, and that... Uh, they they only stay to to move on to other things and you know i i don't think that that is a negative um i think that if you are doing it for a short period of time um as long as you are doing it in the right way you're doing it in a way that that provides a safe environment that that provides your students a um, high level place to learn. I, I don't think it makes any difference whatsoever, whether you do it for eight months or whether you do it for 10 years. Um, you know, there are instructors out there that can make a, a decent living at it, but you guys are are right that sometimes that, that that's really hard. Um, and, uh, there's just other interests in the, the aviation environment where you can then still utilize those skills as, as flight instructors. So, um, you know, I know what I've done, but asking you guys, um, you know, Graham, how has 
being a flight instructor led to greater success in your airline career? Like what have you, how have you utilized those skills that you learned? Well, John, to kind of touch on that, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I haven't, well, one, aviators are always learning. We're always, we're always evaluating things. Things are changing in our environment. Things are changing from a regulatory perspective or, you know, based on the type of airplane, how we're required to operate it. Um, so getting that foundation of, you know, being able to get into the regulations and, and understand the intent behind them uh, is not something I really did until I started to do my initial CFI training. And we talk about those levels of learning as we're going through um, your initial CFI. And it wasn't until I looked back on that and I realized that, you know, private was really my rote learning. I was just was spitting back whatever I was told. I was memorizing, you know, how much useful fuel was and V speeds and and performance numbers. But it wasn't until I really got to being, you know, going through my initial CFI and becoming a CFI that I had to graduate to that correlation level of learning where I had to be able to not just take it, you know, take what I learned, but be able to reframe it and reorganize it or approach it from a different angle or teach it at different levels. Um, and that's a really great skill just in general and just in life um, to be able to take something and based on your audience or based on um, the need or the problem that you're facing to be able to take those experiences, even not identical and reframe them. Um, one of the things that I learned uh, during my time in the regional airlines was um, when I upgraded, I upgraded an airline that was growing very quickly. So while I was a very new captain, there were also a number of my FO next to me was also very new. And there was more than one occasion where both of the flight attendants back were brand new. So when you added up the total seniority on the crew, um, I had more seniority than all of them put together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a that's when you realize, like, even though you're not technically a line check pilot, um, which is what the 121 world calls its uh, flight instructors, um, I'm still serving in that. Like, I am that, I was that, you know, example, and I was teaching the whole time. Um, there was probably a good six or eight months where I did nothing but fly with, just because of the way the trips lined up with um, first officers who their last airplane 50 hours ago was a Cessna, a Diamond, or a Piper. So when you're going from cruising at 140 to landing at 140, um, there's only so much we can teach during that IOE phase. And most most regional airline FOs get between 25 and 50 hours of, of what we call operating experience or OE. That gets you the basics, but you're, it's the really good uh, 121 airline pilots have figured out that, you know, that sign off at the end of OE is just like your sign off for your initial flight instructor certificate. It's just a license to learn. And so that's why I'd say when I look back to my experience as a flight instructor, that's what that prepared me to do. My career was real. This, these ratings and this experience that I gained was exactly that. It's just a license to learn. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, I've talked with uh, several other uh, airline captains and I think the other side of that coin is even when you're not flying with a brand new first officer, there's still things that someone with experience can teach a, a newer first officer, newer pilot. Um, and there is some, um, how do I put this? There's an art to teaching somebody who doesn't necessarily look at you as a teacher, right? So, you don't want to always be acting as an instructor, as a captain, because that first officer may take offense to it. Um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something for them to learn. So, you know, you you kind of start to figure out how to work through that and still pass on that knowledge, right? I had a, so people management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a very common one and that kind of illustrate that illustrates that point very clearly is I, one of the frequent places I went when I was, uh, when I was a captain was Monterey, Mexico. And if you've, and we would go in there at night, we weren't going the, the way that the, the scheduling worked, we were rolling in there at nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, which um, you can't see the mountains when it's dark. Mm. And so I, after a certain point, I would ask the, uh, the other pilot, like, Hey, have you gone to Monterey before? And they're like, no, I'm like, cool. You're like, and I get a couple of them looking at me going, why? And I'm like, I've done, I've already proven that I can do this. Um, at some point you're going to be sitting over here and probably sooner than you realize, you know, and that's 
it's time for learning to occur, whether they necessarily realized it or not. And that 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 light bulb when they turned on the terrain page and realized exactly what was going on when we were descending down into the valley was always um, enlightening. Yeah, I've been to Monterey and uh, the controllers there tried to steer us into a mountain. So I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Andrew, you have a ton of experience uh, in the freight world as well. And, um, you know, your first freight job had a lot of new pilots coming through. You know, how did you uh, how did you use your CFI skills in that in that capacity? Yeah, CFI training was really a lot about management. Uh, learning to manage different personality types and learning to manage uh, what the airplane's doing when you're not operating it, uh, controlling it directly. Um, and uh, I would say that that was probably one of the uh, biggest things was just knowing um, my personal limits with the airplane and being comfortable letting another pilot operate the aircraft kind of closer to where, okay, visual approach, a little bit of a crosswind, whatever the situation is, you know, uh, you you'd want to be right down the middle, but you got to kind of let that person explore a little bit. And uh, so flight, uh, flight instructing really gave me a level of comfort, um, letting less experienced pilots operate the aircraft in not the most pretty way. Mm. I think that's an interesting point. It's it's not something that everybody brings up. It really does get you okay with being not in control. You know, certainly you're constantly monitoring the safety levels and and limitations of an approach or or a maneuver. Um, but you can always tell the difference between somebody who has spent some time as a CFI and somebody who hasn't um, when it comes to if you're new to an airplane and you're flying with a captain, like some of them will kind of hover over the controls and the CFIs are usually like, let's see how this will go. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I like that point. Cause I, I know that uh, um, recently I flew with uh, one of our pilots and he was regaining his currency, regaining his currency. And um, you know, he said to me, he said, well, I don't know how this is going to go. And we went through and, and he did great, of course, but it was bumpy conditions, high crosswind landings. And, you know, I was just kind of sitting there and he was sort of looking at me like, you're good, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not moving. <laughs> and he's like, I know. <laughs> so I, I think that's interesting. Um, what about now? Um, or well, actually not quite now, but what about uh, when you were at your 135? Did you... Did you see a lot of new pilots come through there too? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I left the freight world in at the end of 2016. So, um, you know, slugging along in the 135 charter, uh, passenger world was, was not that much different where you had a lot of guys coming up that were, um, trying to get to their ATP qualifications so they could join an airline or, whatever job they wanted to move on to. So, yeah, and it, it was the same thing. You, you, uh, you get a lot of different personality types, a lot of um, maybe people that weren't as comfortable, uh, you know, and sometimes you got to really put on the instructor cap to put them at ease and allow them to try something, you know, um, uh, once again, all, always within the limits of safety, but uh, you know, um, the passenger thing seems to put a different edge on people, you know, flying freight, you're, you know, oh, boxes don't complain. Um, but, uh, you got an approach that's somewhat, you know, bumpy or low weather and, uh, oh, you, you want to take this leg? Nope. It's your leg. You know, one of the things, uh, to dovetail into Graham's comment about, you know, I've, I've proven I can do it. It's, uh, it's also just the confidence to do it. Um, you know, you, uh, letting the FO do something like flying to Monterey. I stick to the chart. It might not be that difficult of a thing to do, but it, it, uh, they've got it built up in their head. So you, you give them the chance to build the confidence and show themselves that they are capable. Yeah. I mean, when you think of I, I, the putting on your CFI hat, I always say that, uh, that CFIs wear a lot of hats. Um, and, mm -hmm. and similar to what you were saying, where it's like people management and, and understanding personalities and stuff like that. I mean, these are the benefits that I think 
the CFI doesn't always get the credit for the, the, the non-traditional skills that you learn way outside an airplane, um, just on, you know, like Graham said, levels of learning, understanding how people, you know, cognitively figure these things out, but then uh, effective communication, leadership skills, uh, a whole bunch of things, which I'll do a, a, a shameless plug are in our professional development program for NAFI. Um, but, uh, things that I'm sure Delta Propel is, is also covering, um, you know, as you start to go towards that direction, um, you know, it, I just don't feel like when the instructor profession gets the, the, um, kudos that I think it deserves because there's just so much more to it than people realize. I, I like to say it's kind of the Rodney Dangerfield of, uh, of aviation. <laughs> it just gets no respect. Right. Um, and it should, it absolutely should. Uh, Graham, uh, I think most of the uh, up and coming instructors get that reference. Yeah, I know. I, I guess that means I'm getting old. Um, Graham, what do you see with the, uh, with the, the propel candidates? And and for those that are wondering, we are going to do a, uh, a larger conversation on that program. So we won't get into too many details, but uh, you're getting a lot of new CFIs into that program. What are you seeing? So, I mean, to, I want to dovetail on something that Andrew uh, just mentioned, you know, kind of as a segue to, you know, to that conversation about, you know, Propel is that one of the other things from a flight instructing perspective that I didn't realize at the time that I was learning that I now know is when you're a professional aviator, flying is almost the smallest part of your job. And that's across any, whether you're 91, 135, 121, um, you start to realize at a certain point, the stick and rudder stuff is the smallest part of your job. And all those other skills that I didn't realize I was learning as a flight instructor, the, the communication that John mentioned, the task management, the being able to observe and be comfortable, the, um, the being able to sort through a complex situation. Those are all things that I, I didn't realize I was learning at the time. It, it was just happening. But now I look back and I'm like, hmm, that that student that I thought was causing me to turn my hair gray early was actually forcing me to learn some things that I didn't realize at the time. And I now looking back when I, when I talk with students either who are interested in joining the Propel program, um, and we have a whole mentoring side of Propel that is designed to, to deliver that professional development through an accelerated timeframe. It's really talking about that. It's talking about what percentage of my job is actual flying? And when I actually look at them, I say it's about 30% because the other, the other 70%, it's, you know, 35% of, uh, you know, being a communicator, being a leader, you know, being a motivator, being a facilitator. And, and we're all those things as a flight instructor. You have students who are, you know, either really excited and then they have a bad day in the airplane. It's motivating them to come back and keep trying. Or you have a student who, um, is maybe a little nervous about trying something from from the you know start, and it's you know talking through and, reassur- and not necessarily reassuring, but you know running through the logical steps of why it's okay and and that you're there to help them learn it safely. Um, the other the other thirty five percent I find in my job that I am is I'm I'm you know I don't want to say part time lawyer because there are people who devote <laughs> their full time job to yeah. to being a lawyer, and I have unbelievable respect for them because that's a level of detail and reading that um, I prefer the level of detail and reading in aviation, not sitting in a library all the time. Um, but we have to be knowledgeable, not just about regulations, but letters of interpretation that alter the, the, the intent of certain regulations to make sure not only that we're teaching it correctly, but we're also operating safely. And when you get into those other, you know, 135, 90, right, 135 and 121 roles, you have all of the, 91 regs and then you have different pieces that have changed parts of 91 so you have to learn the differences and then be knowledgeable in the situation sometimes at the end of a long day what what is okay and what's not or when to look it up i mean i find that's my biggest thing that i I learned as a flight instructor is building those mental bookmarks in my head to when i encounter something to know that hey i don't know this right now but i know that i need to look it up because i remember this like i need to go into this book and read this um, and it's it's mentoring the students to develop those skills in an accelerated time frame because as, as everyone's probably aware in the industry, we're in a very interesting hiring environment right now. Um, 
to see near street captains at major airlines and, and Delta is no different. That's that's happening in a number of them now um, is something that I mean, John, Andrew, when we were in school, is this is this an environment that we ever foresaw happening? Oh, 2009, <laughs> so, man. 2009. I had friends uh, calling me asking me for if we were hiring at the flight school because they were getting furloughed from the regionals. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no, I flew 10 hours last month. <laughs> you know? So to 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 teach through some of those development things because everyone comes out of flight instruction for the most part having, you know, we as flight instructors always make sure that they have good stick and rudder skills. They're operating the airplane safely. But sometimes I think what's neglected, and I now know to emphasize that going forward, given my you know journey through this career, is that other stuff. Um, so when you ask like, what are we doing for the CFIs or, or what are we mentoring the CFIs on? I'd say it's exactly that. It's talking through some of those some of that stuff outside the cockpit or some of that stuff that's not exactly seen, um, you know, from cockpit management, from leadership, from communications that really make them more effective professional aviators. Hmm. I think that's a good point. It's a really good point. It's one of the things that I, I really like. Um, and, and again, it kind of comes back to a lot of people don't think about it is you just never know when you're going to use those skills again. I mean, I can't tell you how many airline pilots I've talked to that have gotten into the training department. They never thought they would do it. But again, that CFI background made them think about it again. Um, you know, whether it's it's being a ground training uh, pilot for, um, you know, the schoolhouse or getting into the sim center and, and teaching for, for type ratings or procedure training or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, you never know when somebody retires and they go and, and decide, well, I, I still want to continue to give to aviation and, and you see them working at, at places like flight safety or CAE, um, or even, uh, I, I just, uh, was able to help with the award ceremony for the Wright brothers award for a, uh, um, a really good pilot, uh, mentor of mine, Bob Galena, and I'm sure he's not listening, but, uh, um, if, if he was congratulations, Bob. Um, but, uh, you know, Bob has, uh, has given so many years educating young pilots that have gone through the 135 that I used to work for both as a, as a pilot and a training captain, but, um, you know, in a capacity as part of the, the ground, um, training that, uh, that Northern jet provides. And, um, it's, you just don't know. You don't know when you're going to use those skills. You don't know when the itch to instruct comes back, if it ever left to begin with. Um, you know, do you guys see yourselves as, uh, as, uh, instructors on your respective, uh, airplanes or, or in your, in your companies at all? Andrew, why don't you go? Um, yeah. Uh, oddly enough, um, I've been with the company for just about a year and we were bringing on a new pilot um and experienced captain qualified guy but he hadn't flown uh the type in in a, quite a while and um because of the current uh industry environment with training uh availabilities um it was going to be not terribly long but a couple of months before we were able to get him into recurrent and my boss was like well why don't you go up and get his three bounces I'm like want me to do that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still the new guy. Um, but, uh, all joking aside, it, the, uh, it was, you know, you shift back into that gear pretty naturally, the whole, uh, you know, getting back on a bike kind of thing. And, uh, so we went up and did his three bounces and, um, you know, that, uh, flying a jet, flying a Skyhawk, whatever it's, it's all kind of the same fundamentals, uh, when I was getting checked out in an airplane years ago, a uh, guy said, it's an airplane flight, like an airplane, you know? Uh, so yeah. Um, those things still come up um, all the time. You know, it, it's not really something that ever gets turned off. I, I guess, you know, you, you get into a little bit more established part of your career and you're flying with a lot of experienced guys, but you know, that, that, uh, just the mentality, the kind of back to the people management thing, you know, just kind of got to lead by example. Sometimes even when you have somebody that's in the cockpit with you, that maybe has a more experience than you do. Graham, I could totally see you as a Czech airman. 
I, why do people keep saying that? Um, <laughs> no, it's, I, I will say one of the things that's, that's, I have learned, especially about my time in the 121 world, and, and one of the reasons I, I actually like and I had no intention of leaving the 121 world is we do have other jobs. I mean, what I do in our pilot development department, uh, working on a pathway program for uh, other Delta pilots, uh, is one example of a way that I can, you know, exercise that passion for mentoring and and education in not a flight instructor role, but I'm still utilizing a lot of those same those same things that I've learned about, you know, encouragement, communication, leadership. Um, but the other thing is, is we we actually do a lot of our training, all of our training in-house. So we have instructors who are line pilots who cycle on and off, off the line in this, into the simulator to teach. And they can do that for a period of time until they're ready to go do something else and then they go do something else. And the beauty of that is we don't change companies. We don't have to go through a, you know, necessarily a move, although some people do, but you have that opportunity over the course of um, some of the people who are hiring now might have a 40 year career at one, one company, which is just um, unheard of when you start to think about the math behind that, that 40 years is a long time. And I know I'm going to regret saying that when I look back on this interview, hopefully in, you know, a few decades and being like 40 years, was no time at all, but we all want to do different things. Um, and that's one of my favorite things, at least about my 121 career, is that I have the choice based on either seniority or those opportunities that are only available to pilots to cycle in and out of those things. I don't want to break the monotony, but you know, scratch the itch and then go back to do other things or get involved in, an, in another way. Um, so those are, and that's regardless of the fact that even if you're not um, not in one of those roles specifically, anytime you're mentoring a, you know, a new pilot. And as, even as a first officer, when I was flying in on one of our narrow body fleets, you know, we went through a period of time where I'd been on the airplane for three and a half, four years. And I was flying with, you know, captains who had, you know, upgraded, but they'd never flown the airplane before. And so there's a little bit of almost reverse mentorship going on where, I mean, yes, he was in charge. And, and that's a very interesting dynamic that I wasn't expecting to experience in my career, but we were looking at it together as a crew going, okay, how do we do this? And I'd be, I'd be instructing something either on the, on the airplane and the, in the flight management system, or going, we're going into an airport that um, he'd never been to before, especially the ones up in, you know, Montana where we're doing complex approaches. And I'd say, yeah, I've, I've done this before. You want to watch out for this. Um, so there's a little bit of mentorship going both ways. And, and that was, I think one of my, that's probably my favorite thing about being in the 121 world is, everyone kind of gets to do their own thing. Um, if you find that passion outside of flying, whether it's getting into the train department and actively giving instruction, being a mentor, being you know involved in a technical field, um, safety roles, helping other pilots in a, in a management capacity, uh, volunteering in other pilot support roles. You know, most of our major airlines are unionized. So just because you're a line pilot doesn't mean you don't have access to the, all these other things that you can do. And you'd be shocked at the number of pilots that that do and exercise that ability to dabble in different things throughout their career to grow professionally. Yeah, I anybody who's heard me speak has probably heard me say this several times. But uh, when I showed up for day one at my uh, my indoc training for a 121, um, you know, they had us raise our hands. They said, "Hey, how many of you individuals have been flight instructors in the past, or or how many of you are being sort of plucked straight from being a flight instructor?" And a numerous group of us raised our hands, and and he kind of looked out and he said, "You know what? That's really great." You know, and we were all kind of going, "Gosh, there's there's pilots in here that have come from other airlines. There are some that have have type ratings already uh, that have all of this experience." And he singled us out. And he singled us out to to say this is good. And the reason for that is, is that they have found through just experience that flight instructors or those that have a flight instruction background tend to do better. Um, you know, they tend to do better both in success in the training themselves, but as employees, as as future leaders, as future managers. Um, and, and I always thought that was really cool. So... Shifting gears here, as we uh, start to kind of get to the tail end of all of this, 
Um, you know, one of the questions I always ask on the uh, formerly known as 10 question challenge series that I used to do, um, I, I really like to focus on mentorship and, and Graham, you've touched on that already. Um, and one of the questions I like to ask is everybody has a mentor. Everybody has had somebody that helped them, you know, get their foot into the door, um, whether it be through flight instruction or or anything else. Um, you know, who was yours and, and what was the most important thing that you learned from um, to to provide the success that you've now found? Andrew, why don't you go ahead first? Well, uh, an obvious one as we talked about earlier was, uh, my father, um, being a pilot as well, but, uh, um, there was a, uh, older gentleman at the uh, local airport in my hometown that was, uh, at the time he was already retired from the airlines. Um, and he had been, uh, an air show pilot, um, very heavily involved with that community. And, um, Jim was the most humble person I've ever met. He just, you'd never know it. He'd done all these crazy things with airplanes and been all over the world flying, uh, you know, wide body and narrow body jets for airlines uh, back to DC threes. And um, I, uh, I always just try to think of that, um, I guess uh, is, you know, th there's a lot of, uh, type A personalities in our industry. And especially when you get into a two uh, pilot uh, crew situation, um, I just try to leave my fifth the door. and uh, kind of what Graham was talking about where he's got a situation with uh, being a more experienced guy in, in the aircraft type than the captain he's flying with, you know, um, you could pretty easily fall into a, a problem there where the captain is going to turn away uh, valuable CRM uh, information because I'm the captain. And so I, Jim always uh, just exuded that humble, easygoing nature. And um, I try to do the same thing, you know, just, yeah, if I make a mistake, I'm not going to get upset, you know, call me on it. Uh, we're, we're all just trying to get this thing back on the ground safely for our sakes and the, whoever's behind us too. So. Hmm. Graham, what about you? I mean, I'm, I guess I'm going to kind of have a little bit of a non-standard answer is I, I don't, I mean, I grew up with people that I looked to and they weren't always necessarily older or more experienced than I was. Um, but we all kind of went to figure it out together. I mean, I kind of look at creating a, creating a professional aviator is the same, the same joke or same advice that I'm given uh, kind of about, you know, raising kids is that it takes a village. Um, and, you know, in addition to having some solid faculty role models as a student who, you know, helped out at very key moments for certain things, I'd say actually one of the best, best mentors that I had were actually some of my peers. Um, you don't realize as a, as a college aviation student that you're already starting to build that network. And John, you mentioned this, this Rolodex or contact list of people that you would have dreamed to have had back when you were a college student. But here's the thing that I've kind of realized over time, you're not supposed to have it yet. You're supposed to build it. It's supposed to, it's, it's, if you don't build it and you're not out there developing it, it's not really yours. Hmm. So to rely on some of those peers that I met, you know, in private pilots ground school, in instrument ground school, um, to drive a couple of them nuts about some of the bonus commercial ground school. Um, you know, that those are the people that you start to keep up with. And one person finds out something in that career, you know, from their experiences, and then you're sharing it amongst yourselves and you're all learning together. So while, you know, commonly when we talk about role models, you're, you're plucking, well, I, I know so-and-so that is this, you know, major airline captain or this other person who's got this amazing background of experience. And those are great and valuable. But for me, it really was that peer group that I built up through my time um, in flight school and flight instruction and my time in the regional airlines that we all shared our experiences. And, and, you know, whether we realized we were mentoring each other or not, we were all growing together from those shared experiences. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's a really good answer. 
you know, yeah, it, it, it is true. The, the camaraderie that aviation builds, um, you know, I, I think a lot of professions have a high regard for the individuals that, uh, that are operating with them. I think that aviation stands out amongst the rest. I, I, the best people that I know, or a good portion of the best people that I know are, are involved in aviation in one, one way, shape or form. Now, certainly we have commonality, but, um, I just think that aviation attracts good people. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely consider myself lucky to, uh, to be involved in, in this group of, of people and, and be part of your peer group. And, and, uh, you know, I've learned as much from either of you to Graham's point than that I have from, you know, anybody else. And, uh, I absolutely agree. That's, that's a super valuable thing. As we wind down, um, you know, this, the, I guess this will be my last question to the two of you. Um, tell me, tell me a funny story. Tell me, tell me something that happened to you as an instructor that, uh, you know, you couldn't quite expect. Obviously I, I want it, uh, um, you know, PG, <laughs> but, uh, you know, tell me, tell me something that you learned through kind of a, a funny experience that, uh, you still kind of think about today. Graham, it's, you're in the hot seat this time. Oh, man, I was hoping Andrew would go first. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of remember that there was a time when we were out. Um, we were out just doing maneuvers in the practice area. And then all of a sudden, kind of unexpectedly, the weather shifted. And, you know, the, the ceiling started to drop. And all of a sudden, there started to be a little bit of water on the window. And I kind of had the thought of, huh. Okay, this is uh this is interesting. And then I looked over to, to my student, and that was actually the first time I looked, I realized looking over that he was looking to me for the answer. And um I was like, huh. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I guess it is my turn to provide the answer, isn't it? Hmm. Um and so it was after some reassuring, you know, kind of talk of okay, we're just gonna be done now and and work our way back to the airport. Um, we got to have a little bit of a, a it was frankly morphing the lesson into, okay, um, you know how we talked about doing partial panel and like, you know, IMC stuff, like, let's just focus on the instruments for a second. And um, we're going to work our way back to the airport and and get back safely. And I think that was a kind of enlightening, you know, thing for my student to realize like, okay, the, the situation didn't turn out as planned. And we can either freak out about it, or we can just take a deep breath and start working on the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. Andrew, what about you? I'll try to keep it PG. Be, uh, nothing terrible. Some profanity was uh, used. But uh, um, I always tried to be very calm and level and just even keeled in the cockpit uh, when I was flight instructing. And um, I had a student. Um, he was just doing it for fun. He's a just trying to get his private license. And he was a former Marine uh, scout sniper. And four or five lessons in, he was really struggling with steep turns, 25, 30 degree bank turns, real ginger. Talk about it on the ground several times, demonstrated this, that. And we're flying one day and I'm sitting there. Hey, he's still struggling. This guy used to be a Marine. I'm going to have to yell at him. <laughs> and I just lit into him. I mean, F-bombs, just 45 degrees. Da, 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 da. And man, it was, it's like it was a video game, all a roller coaster. You'd snap the thing over 45 degrees, draw a nice circle in the sky, hit his own wake, you know, all the all the good stuff. And we get on the ground and I'm just like sweating bullets. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to be so mad. He's And he's grinning ear to ear we come in and he's like that was the best lesson ever I, that's exactly what i needed you know <laughs> um so uh yeah i, I kind of had to get out of my own comfort zone there but uh darn darn jarheads <laughs> <laughs> well it's all about learning how people learn right you know if it's exactly out non-traditional ways well, and, and I think that's why a lot of times we, you know, hey, you know, have the progress checks and stage checks and stuff. You get in the airplane with another instructor, get another point of view. Um, uh, but doesn't mean that you can't shift that gear either. Um, 
you know, so yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I advice that I picked up, uh, from a mutual friend of ours who actually was a training captain for me when I started, um, in the one thirty five, And I think this is, uh, good advice to anybody who's new to the profession. Uh, he told me, he goes, you know, just like when you were a new instructor, um, you tried to emulate the things that you liked from your instructors, but then you also had a mental tally of all the things you didn't like, you know, Oh, I didn't like this. I'm not going to do this as an instructor. You know, those are the Mm -hmm. same kinds of things that he said as a captain. Now, when you start to upgrade, you're going to do the same thing. You know, think of all of those things that captains you have had that you go, boy, that was really good. They communicated this well, their leadership skills really got us through this emergency and everything was fine. But then you also remember those things of like, oh man, this guy, he did it this way and I'll never do that. Um, and, and so that kind of learning, it, it just continues with you. And, and I think that that advice was, was really well-spoken. Um, you guys have any, uh, any final thoughts, any advice to somebody who's looking to follow in your footsteps? Uh, what do you think? They just know what you're looking for. Uh, it sound, that sounds easy for me. I was fortunate, but, uh, I always, uh, encouraged the, uh, other guys I was flying with, um, you know, just have a plan and stick to it. And, um, there will be some curveballs along the way, but, uh, you want to be an airline pilot, you'll be an airline pilot. You want to want to be a corporate pilot, go be a corporate pilot. You know, don't, don't let uh, the peer pressures of this or that get in the way, you know, just, um, find something that you're passionate about. And if it's flight instructing, then that's great. You know, I, 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 I still love flight instructing. Uh, you have some uh, chances here and there to do it. Um, you know, you, you like what Graham said, you're constantly building that network. And um, so, yeah. Graham, what about you? Uh, I, I would say kind of like what Andrew said, but it's, it's finding one, this is, this is a, this is a profession, especially in the training, in the training side of things, when you're first getting into it, that rewards that commitment. The, the more that you put into it, the more effort you give it, the more, um, the more time, um, and the more you focus on it, the more you're rewarded. Um, I will tell you my, as a student and also as an instructor, one of my biggest frustrations in both worlds was when I either couldn't fly enough or I couldn't have my student come out and fly enough because I knew that there was a frustration building due to lack of progress, either when I was a student or on my student's behalf when I was an instructor. And the only way to fix that, um, I, I don't want to be the guy that drops a more callow reference, but you know, is to fly more, you know, the more yeah. you fly and the more frequently you fly, the less you repeat. And um, this might be music to someone's ears when they're discussing, you know, the, the, the M word, when we talk about how we pay for all this, the more frequently you fly, the less money you spend because the less you repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my piece of advice to those, those people who are considering this career is one find Find, find an instructor and please find one that works for you. Don't just pick the first one. Uh, there are many different ways to instruct, but commit yourself to it. And then don't be afraid to continue to build that network and, and be talking to those people because you never know that person who you're sitting next to at the FBO or in the flight school or on a cross country waiting for waiting for fuel or the weather to clear. They may be your first next employer. They may be your classmate later on in your career. Um, they may be, you know, that mentor that you've always looked for, you never know. And if you don't network, you, you will, um, miss out on an opportunity or two down the road. So don't be intimidated by it either. Like like John said earlier, most of the people in aviation are, are friendly people. You you might see somebody sitting in an FBO or something that, that, uh, I don't know, has got a look on his face that might not be that inviting he's probably the nicest guy you know Mm -hmm. just go up and introduce yourself that's that's good advice and you know i i want it noted that um yes we've talked about the idea that the three of us have uh moved on to other roles but you know still trying to kind of keep a foot in flight instruction um i want it noted that nowhere do we are we trying to imply that that flight instruction can't be a career, shouldn't be a career, or that that career flight instructors are in any way um, not as good or or lesser? 
Um, I just can only relate to, to our experiences. I know plenty of instructors out there and I can rattle off a bunch of names, but I won't, um, who are extremely successful that, that have a amazing career, a career that I could only dream of. Um, and so, you know, please don't get the wrong idea for those of you listening that, that there's, there's not a place for, for instructors who make it their, their life's work. I think that that's a, a super awesome thing to do. Um, and, and it does generate, um, you know, it's, it's own level of success. So I think that that's important to note. Um, the other side of it is, is that it doesn't have to be an either or, you know, we've touched on this a little bit today as well, you know, just because you become a, a airline pilot, just because you become a part 91 or a 135 pilot, that doesn't mean you can't still be an instructor. It doesn't mean you can't still be, you know, whatever else you want to be. I mean, I know, I know airline pilots that are DPEs that do check rides Sweet. when they're not flying. Um, I know uh, corporate pilots that teach uh, primary students. One of them that I know uh, is one of our longtime uh, master instructors. He still does training in Robinson helicopters. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be an either or it just might be a, well, I'm moving on for now. And, and I think that it's important for us to remember that. All right, guys. Well, I think, uh, I, I think we've made it. Uh, this is your, this is your first podcast experience. And I appreciate that the two of you made the time. Um, you know, it's, it's proof that, uh, aviation really does generate some of the best friends in the world. Cause, uh, cause you guys are, are pretty great. And I appreciate that, uh, you took the time to, Put yourself in in a little bit of the hot seat and and do this with me. So sixty episodes of more right rudder and uh, hopefully sixty more. And I hope you guys will come back. Well, sorry, Have you fun. had to dredge the bottom of the barrel, but. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, and uh, on to the next. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.